Thank you so much, guys. Thank our praise team, Brother Terry leading our music. Thank all of you for taking part in our worship this morning. If you brought your Bibles, please turn to 1 John, the book of 1 John. I want to look at 1 John chapter 5, and we'll begin reading with verse 11. 1 John 5, verse 11 through um, verse 15. I'm going to share with you a sermon that I've entitled this morning, The Haves and the Have-Nots. The Haves and the Have-Nots. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked for. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity now to have worshipped you in song and praise songs and hymns, and now to open your word, speak to our hearts, I pray, as we look at the inspired, the errant, the infallible word of God, help us to realize, Lord, that this is not just words on the paper, but these words are alive. They're inspired. They're breathed from another substance. They're, they are breathed from you. So help us to realize that this morning, Lord. This is just not some other book. This is your word. So help us to listen. Help us to apply your word to our heart and our lives. And make sure, Father, that we're being obedient to your word. Especially, well, in all things, but especially in obtaining salvation. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for last couple, perhaps two, three Wednesday nights, maybe longer than that, I don't remember, I've been dealing with the book of First John. And so, uh, on July the 22nd, I... I shared a Bible study on Wednesday night about the witness of God, 1 John 5, 6. And then on July the 28th, knowing for certain that you're saved, and I used 1 John 5, verse 16. And so uh, today I want to share 1 John 5, 12 through 15, because you see, John had the privilege to write five books in the Bible. He wrote his gospel, and then he wrote, the epistles, three epistles, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John. Then he wrote the book of Revelation. And so in this text today, uh, he tells us why he 
wrote those books. And he begins first by discussing two classes of people. Notice, if you will, two classes of people, the haves and the have-nots. Now, if you're taking notes, Roman numeral one would be two classes of people. Now, uh, sociologists have always tried to, to group or divide people or divide society into class structure. Um, they have the lower class, they've structured class structure, and the lower class, the middle class, the upper class. Then they structured the blue-collar worker, which is uh, the mill worker, the factory worker, the textile worker. Around here would be, uh, one would be the poetry, uh, the poultry worker. Uh, we have a big poultry plant here. We have uh, uh, a lot of people have chicken houses, and that's their employment. These, this would be considered uh, blue-collar workers. And then you have the white-collar workers, and that would be, the, um, that'd be your professors, perhaps, and uh, company executives, people that are in management and sit behind a desk or something. And, and so you have blue-collar and, and you have the white-collar. But you notice the division always is based on material wealth. However, God's divided mankind just in two classes. Those that have the Son or have the Son and those that have not the Son. He that hath the Son, or has the Son, hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God, hath not life. So today, it's not based on whether you're low class, or middle class, or upper class, lower class, middle, or upper. It's not based on any type of material wealth that you might have. You may be a blue collar, may be a white collar. Uh, it's just based on if you have the sun. If you do, you have life. If you don't have the sun, you don't have life. And so today we have that, that, uh, that division, two classes. So all of us here fall in one of those categories. You may fall in the category, I hope you do, that you have the sun in your life. Then you have life. But you may be here and you may not have the sun. Then you don't have life. Now, he says, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Now, he didn't say he that belongs to the church has life. He didn't say if you belong to the Baptist church or the Methodist church or the Presbyterian church, Church of Christ church, Church of God church, the Catholic church, some Protestant denomination, then the Catholic church, non-Protestant. He didn't say if you belong to one of those, you have life. But he says, if you have the Son, you have life. If you belong to a church, that doesn't mean you have life. But if you belong to the Son, you have life. So the point is, your church affiliation, uh, that doesn't bring about regeneration. Whatever member of whatever church, that doesn't make you saved. That doesn't bring about regeneration or salvation. You see, uh, but with Christ you have life. Well, what kind of life? Well, is it your everyday life? No, that's not what he's talking about. Is it your run-of-the-mill life? Get up, go to work, come home, uh, spend some time with the wife, the family, go to bed, get up, go to work, spend some time with the family in the evening, 
eat together perhaps, go to a ball game, get up. Just That's not the run-of-the-mill life he's talking about. It's not the normal life. It's the eternal life that God gives to the sinner when he or she puts his or her faith in Christ Jesus. He gives you eternal life. And so today you, have either, you either have the Son and you have life, or you don't have the Son and you're, you don't have life, meaning you're spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. So the question is, are you indwelt by Christ? Yes, no. Which is it? Are you saved? Do you have the Son of God dwelling in you? Well, I'm a member, you know, we'll, we'll go, uh, we'll be out visiting or something, and, and usually uh, when we do the jail ministry and we're able to go into the jail, uh, I'd ask someone, have you ever trusted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? And they'll say, well, I'm a Baptist. I found out more people, more Baptists was in jail than than any others. That doesn't save you. Your church affiliation doesn't save you. It's, it's not about religion. It's not about rituals. God makes it real clear. He that hath not the Son has not life. So you have first, you have two classes of people. But notice, secondly, the reason for his writing is found in verse 13. He says, These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So John has a twofold purpose for writing. First of all, that you may believe on his name, believe, i.e. trust, i.e. rely, i.e. commit yourself to him, you may believe on his name. Secondly, he's written that because that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, in John's day, some believed that you could have life or you could go to heaven in another name. You had a group that believed in Serenthus. Serenthus. Serenthus was a name that some thought would get them to God. Now, we have some today that trust in other names in order to go to heaven. I mean, we have some that, that trust in the name Mary, Jesus' mother. They trust in her name. Uh, that's an important name, but Mary won't get you to heaven. But some people trust in Mary to get them to heaven. Some say Mary will get them to heaven, but... That, you know, Mary, Mary herself even confessed that she needed a Savior. In Luke chapter 1, verse 47, she, uh, there in that verse, she, she makes mention, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. So Mary realized that she needed a Savior. She fell under the seed of Adam. She was a sinner. She had sin in her life like we have sin in our life. When she gave birth to Christ prior to, she, she didn't know Jesus was the, going to be the Savior of the world, but she was announced that prior to his birth, but she didn't know he was, she, she didn't know his, most of his family didn't see him as the Messiah, the coming one. 
Some, some trust in Mary. Some confess the name of Mary. Some confess the name of Buddha, uh, Confucius, uh, Muhammad, Allah, as the name that will get them to heaven. This is common. You know this. And that's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. You say, well, that's pretty narrow-minded, Brother Samuel. Well, it is. Because that's the only way you can get to heaven. It's through Jesus. And so John says in 1 John 5, 13, These things I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Reminded me of the old song. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds as music to my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of his precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. There's no other name. Cal mentioned that just a few minutes ago. Under heaven, no other name on earth whereby mankind can be saved except through the name of Jesus. Now, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they were put in jail for healing this crippled beggar in the name of Jesus. And so standing before the high priest, standing before the rabbis and scribes, in Acts chapter 4, look at verse 7. Acts 4, verse 7. Look at what he says. And when they had set them in the midst, the rabbis, the scribes, they put Jesus in the middle, uh, Peter and John in the middle of them. And they said this, By what power or by what name is it? Centris? No. What name did you do this miracle? By what power or what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to him, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. And the stone which was rejected by your builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other Confucius, Buddha, Mary, Centrus, whatever, there's no salvation in any other name. Has been given under, the, under heaven, given among men, which must be saved. So he spoke with boldness. Boldness. We talked about that last week. So the question was asked, who made him whole? The answer, Jesus. The question, who made him leap? Jesus. 
Don't be confused. Listen, don't be confused today. Don't be misled today. Don't be lied to today to people perhaps who are, who are real close to you, friends, family, associates, acquaintances, neighbors, whomever it may be. There is no other name under heaven. The church, rituals, baptism, whatever it might be. No other thing, no under, no other name under heaven whereby you can be saved. Buddha, Allah, Mother uh, uh, Mary, Mother Teresa, Saint Andrew, Abraham, Moses, none of those will be able to save you, but only in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something, anyone, anyone can be saved. Anyone, I don't care what you've done, where you've been, you can be saved today. A drunkard can be saved. A prostitute can be saved. A drug addict can be saved. A criminal can be saved. A murderer can be saved. Sex offenders can be saved. A serial killer, as horrible as we would think, they can be saved. A liar. Politicians need to know this because they can be saved. Some politicians, some are saved, thank God. But in order to get to heaven, you must be saved. Can't get around it. And the way you do that is you must turn to Jesus to believe on his name. He's the Son of God. What does that mean, brothers? I mean, you believe that he's the Son of God. You believe that he is God in the flesh, that he is the only begotten Son of God. He alone could pay your penalty for our sins, your sins. He arose again on the third day after he was crucified on the cross for, in our place as our substitute, carried to a borrowed tomb. Buried in three days, he rose again. He sits on the right hand of God, and he's coming back again one day. And the question is, do you have him as your Savior? And if you hope you have, you're lost. Because these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. You better not leave this earth hoping you are wishing you are, you better know for certain because there's no second chances once we close our eyes in death. So do you have him as your Savior? If you have him, you have life. If you don't have him, then you're not saved. Listen, do you believe God? Do you believe his holy word? Do you believe what God has said about his Son? Well, if you don't, John, 1 John 5, we'll go back one verse. I don't think you have it um, on the screen, but it says this. He who believes, in verse 10, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God, if you don't believe God, you have made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given about his true Son. You calling God a liar? How brass can you be? So John, John writes, he said, I'm writing these things to you that you may know 
Jot this little Greek word down. It's important. That you may know the Greek word for that is oida, O-I-D-A. And that is, that's not hope so, but that's not maybe so, but that is, that is, I know for sure that I'm saved. Not hope so knowledge, not maybe so knowledge, but absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt, positively knowledge. I know. And so John writes this, that people, that people may believe on his name, the name of Jesus, and that you may know that you have eternal life. But number three, and let me close with this real quick. Our new life gives us confidence. Now, I touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Our new life gives us confidence. If we have this new life, if he is in us, and we have life, this new life gives us confidence. Now, what's the confidence? Look at verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, but not only does he hear us, and we know that, that he hear, if we know that he hears us, verse 15, whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the petitions that we've asked of him. That's pretty plain. The word confidence means cheerful courage. It means boldness. It means assurance. He says, now this is the assurance that we have in him. This is the confidence. This is the boldness that we have in him. And what is it? The confidence is he hears us. He hears us. And so my assurance for my salvation gives me confidence in prayer. I know he hears me if I pray according to his will. He hears me. Remember when we went to Romania several years, and we'd get over there, and, and it always amazed me because we'd have a time of prayer. They prayed 30 minutes, I mean an hour before the service. Everybody, the women sat on one side, men sat on the other. And, and, and you know how people, how we come in here, and you know, it starts at 11, and we'll get here at 10 minutes still, or, five minutes till or ten minutes after or something like that. They got there an hour before the services started just to pray. Just to pray. And they'd pray. One stand and pray, another stand and pray. One stand and pray, another stand and pray. And I've been to churches where they'd have a communion prayer, have a communion prayer, meaning everybody was praying and they had one leader and, and, this, and people were at the altar and and people was praying, and I tried to pray. I, I'm not accustomed to that. There's nothing wrong with that. And I had a leader, and he would close the prayer, and everybody else would just stop praying. Prayers closed. They'd go sit down. But what, got, what really spoke to me in Romania and in, in a communal prayer is that um, I'm thinking, you know, God is such, a, he's such an awesome God. Think how amazing that God can hear our prayer. If I'm the only one praying, that really wouldn't be a difficult thing for God to do. Nothing's difficult with God. But only God can sort out all those prayers coming to his throne room. I'm talking about thousands of tongues calling out to God. I'm talking about thousands upon thousands of dialects and millions and millions of requests. People calling out, crying out to God. Those that can't talk from their heart. And he sorts through all that. 
my goodness. And John is referring to the Son of God there in verses 14 and 15. And he says, this is the confidence that we have in him. He answers us when we pray according to his will. Remember Jesus, Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. He goes to the garden to pray. And, you know, as, as, he, as he prays, he, he prays and he says, Matthew 26, 39. He went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed saying, Oh, my father. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's praying according to God's will. And so he hears us, and he will answer us. George Mueller, Mueller, I'm sorry, George Mueller, famous preacher, he built an orphanage in, in Bristol, England. On the principle of faith in God and telling God and God alone of his financial needs. He was broke. He was desperate. But he claimed a promise. And that promise is found in Psalm 68, verse 5. Listen to it. Building an orphanage, and he realized that God is a father of the fatherless. That's what he realized. He's building an orphanage, and he realizes something hit him, that God is the father of the fatherless. He's their father. And he saw this to be one of the names of God. God is the father of the fatherless. In Psalm 9, verse 10, let me share that with you right quick. Psalm 9, verse 10. And those who know your name. Now, remember, he considered this to be a name of God. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. God, here's what he did. He built an orphanage. All of a sudden, he realized that a name of God was the father of the fatherless. And then he looks at uh, Psalm 9, verse 10. Those that know your name. I know your name, God. You're the father of the fatherless. I will, they will put their trust in him. And so Muller said this, let me quote. He says, by the help of God, this shall be my argument before him. Representing the orphans in the hour of need. He is the father of the fatherless. Therefore, he has pledged himself, as it were, to provide for them. And I have only to remind him of the need of these poor children in order to have the support that I need. Isn't that beautiful? And do you know he maintained that orphanage for years and years, and after he died, continued, that orphanage continued. And he, he was as broke as he was when he went, but he depended on God's name, that he was the father of the fatherless, and he depended on the word of God in Psalm 6, and I'm going to put my trust in him, and if he's their father, he's going to take care of them. Isn't that beautiful? And that's what he says about you, that, have believed in him. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. Muller knew that God hears his children and he answers the prayers in his will. Two classes of haves and have-nots. Two classes, the haves, the have-nots. 
the reason for writing, to believe in his name. Second, to know you have eternal life. And then third, you have the confidence of prayer. Now let me ask you a question as we close with this. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, and we've read it here recently. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preach to you, which also you've received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that which I've preached to you, unless you believed in vain. You're saved by this gospel. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and he was buried, and that he arose again the third day according to the Scripture. End of story. Now, here's the question. Do you believe that? Have you trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? 1 John 5 uh, verse 11 and 12. Look what he says. 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12. He says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Two classes of people, those who have the Son, those who have not the Son. And so the point is, have you, or have you trusted in His name and only His name, meaning only in Him? Have you believed in Jesus? You say, well, I believe in Jesus. Let me ask you this. Have you believed in Jesus of the Bible? So you have some out there that's preaching another Jesus. They're not preaching the Jesus of the Bible. They're not preaching that Jesus is God in flesh. They're not preaching that. They're seeing him as another Messiah. They're just seeing him as another prophet. Do you, are you, have you believed and trusted in the Jesus of the Bible? Or have you believed in some other Jesus? That's important. And do you have confidence in your prayer? That when you pray according to your will, his will, he hears you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for our time that we have together. Thank you for your word. I pray for every person here. God, you could have made it in more plainer in regards to salvation. I pray for those here today who did not have Jesus. They're good people, perhaps. They have good morals, but whatever it is, they don't have you. They're trying some other way, and you're the way. They're trying to go to heaven, get to heaven, get to God in some other way, but you're the only way. I pray that your Holy Spirit has spoken to them today and they would humble their heart and they would say, Oh God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself, but I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus came and he died on that cross in my place. He suffered for my sins. He suffered where I would not have to, and he was buried. On the third day, he arose again. He became victorious over the grave and over sin and over death. And he arose the third day, 
ascended into heaven, and he's coming again. And today, Lord, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my life, and I trust in you. I believe the gospel today, all that it says about Jesus. Please forgive me, have mercy on me, and save me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.